You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Coming back into the Barden Report, this is the Barden Report from Republic Broadcasting. P.J. Barden is my name, and we're here today on this Saturday, 27th day of February 2021. I'm just continuing this article, taking uh, Joanna Williams writing it, um, founder of a think tank, CEO, okay, another writer. But anyway, uh, Boris Johnson, he keeps jumping from one foot to the other. I mean, it's schizophrenic the way he's handling it. The government's incredibly cautious approach to easing restrictions might be justified if coronavirus still posed a serious threat to the lives of elderly and vulnerable. But incredibly, scientists have developed not one, but a whole range of life-saving vaccines. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is where this article goes wrong. What's more, the UK has huge success in rolling out the jabs. Huge success in potentially killing people. Almost 16.5 million people have received... um, uh, at least one vaccine dose. The group that account for nearly 90% of all coronavirus deaths have now got some degree of protection, some degree of protection, exposed to the dangers of an untested uh, DNA disruptor. That's accurate. This is a real success story. We should be celebrating the ingenuity of science in overcoming the potentially deadly virus and the collective effort required to get so many people vaccinated in such a short space of time. Instead, we are left wondering what's the point of the vaccine if it does not allow us to get back to normal. Britain is still very much stuck in what has been the toughest, most stringent lockdown in the Western world. Um, It now seems that Boris Johnson has planned to lift some lockdown restrictions a little earlier, perhaps perhaps allowing people to meet up with friends and family in a pub or beer garden over the long Easter weekend. But we, he has warned off, he was warned off doing this by scientific advisors who are basically working for Big Pharma. We urgently need to ask who is running the country. It, um, is it government or ministers? Government ministers are the cabal of unelected scientists uh, because right now it looks very much as if the scientists, with their risk-adverse first safety precautionaries approach, uh, who are calling the shots. Uh, the piece, if I can reach you today, about this uh, uh, Imperial College uh, uh, <laughs> creature who is a top scientist, uh, Neil Ferguson. I mean, the guy has no proper qualifications on five levels. Well, let me come back to that. Also on RT, RushToday.com, no family, no fun, no respite and no hope. Go slow, Boris, roadmap, nowhere, uh, go roadmap to nowhere quickly, just adds to our mountain of lockdown misery. Sure. He said, we need to remind Johnson and Matt Hancock, that's his health minister, that people are more than just data points to be recorded on the chart. It's no doubt 
true that if we all stay at home and never see our relatives and abandon all plans and aspirations, then rates of disease will fall. I mean, that's insane. Um, the herd immunity factor can operate if people are operating normally. But doing so destroys our very humanity. We are being asked to sacrifice everything that makes life worth living to the end of the prolonged our existence. And now, with the vulnerable people vaccinated, it seems as if restrictions are rapidly becoming an end in themselves. Uh, far from uh, roaring 20s, as some are wish, wishfully predicting, there are real dangers that we get stuck in an age of anxiety where, uh, scared of each other and wary of the world, we become addicted to lockdowns and fearful freedom. In this context, of government ministers perceive no limits in curtailing our freedoms if it is to, to safeguard our health. Why stop at coronavirus, mouth wearing, social distancing and staying at home prevent, to prevent, um, um, prevent people dying from flu? Why then, why then why lift restrictions at all? If cigarettes, alcohol and sugar contribute to deaths from cancer, sorry, why allow people the freedom to smoke, drink and choose their own food. Sadly, this is not a wild fantasy, but exactly the train of thought some are pursuing. Um, we need to celebrate Britain's vaccines. <laughs> vaccine success. This guy's a moron. Uh, one or two good points, and then he reverses back into the wall. Vaccine success. We haven't a bull's notion of success. You're talking about distribution of success uh, with health. I mean, that is utterly stupid. But um, this... Um, I began to read this article, but it's well worth highlighting the, the insane confusion of journalists. This, this article is an example of that. But uh, we have a thing there to welcome to this, and it's China. China's trade is booming, and that's incredible too, considering the, the war against with America against China. China uh, trade with Central Europe, Eastern and Eastern Europe tops $100 billion despite pandemic hit 2020. Wow, considering this came out of Wuhan. I mean, who are the winners here? Dear, dear, dear. And China's growth is 8.4% uh, this year, which is stunning, absolutely stunning, if you can believe that. But there's a piece there which is, um, I'm going to call it up. Click that one down, this one up. It's Nigel Farage doing it, and it's about the Chinese are buying up schools in Britain. Our schools have been privatised, sponsored even public schools. And the piece is, um, um, oh no, do wrong one. He's uh, already got Max Belfield. Chinese buying up British private schools. And it's eight and a half minutes. It'll fit in now, sure. And it's Nigel Farage uh, going over this point just to, to push the communist agenda. And this is going on, creep, creep, creep. Of the many things that are masked by this crisis, this is one of them. So uh, Chinese buying up British private schools to inculcate the communist agenda. Nigel Farage. Okay, eight, eight, eight and a quarter minutes. Okay. Any sign of that, Ken? Hello? Just waiting for that one, Ken. Chinese buying up um, um, private schools in Britain. Okay. Okay, okay. Just computer problems there. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's okay. Yeah, okay. Nigel Farage, up now, warning yeah. of a communist takeover 
of Britain's education system. A very, very serious story that has already had a huge response online, and rightly so. As Nigel Farage tweeted yesterday, Chinese billionaires with direct links to the CCP are buying up British schools and flooding the curriculum with their propaganda. As he says, this communist takeover of our education system must be stopped. Following this up, in a mail article entitled A Communist Takeover of Our Schools That Britain Must End At Once, he says it extends way beyond buying up mineral assets or Western telecommunication systems. There's a cultural dimension that reeks of propaganda and indoctrination. Not content with financing some British universities, we now learn that Chinese companies, Nigel writes, directly linked to the highest ranks of the Communist Party have serious financial interests in our schools. The full report in the Mail on Sunday today is that British schools are selling out to Beijing. Not only are private institutions being bought by Chinese firms, but some are giving lessons that are a threat to free speech. Hundreds, the Mail of Sunday report, of independent schools left in dire financial straits by the pandemic are being targeted by Chinese investors. Experts anticipate a feeding frenzy as firms, including some run by high-ranking members of the ruling Chinese Communist Party, seek to expand their influence over Britain's education system. 17 schools already said to be owned by Chinese companies, but that number sets to rocket. And an investigation by the Mail on Sunday, among other things, finding that nine of the 17 schools under Chinese control are owned by firms whose founders or bosses are among China's most senior Communist Party members. Now, on a broader point, I think I find it pretty striking now how reliant on foreign funding British universities have made themselves. Of course, that ability, when it comes to universities, to charge a lot more for foreign students than British students for courses has meant, as the, as the Times report in February 2019, UK students squeezed out of Cambridge and Oxford. The number of undergraduates studying at Oxford and Cambridge has fallen by a thousand in the past decade, according to official figures. There are 7% fewer home students at Oxford and 5% fewer at Cambridge than in 2007-2008. In the same period, the number of foreign undergraduates rose by 51% at Oxford and 65% at Cambridge. Follow-up report the Times did in June 2020 when it comes to foreign funding in, in universities is that lucrative foreign students are taking Oxbridge, Oxbridge places from state pupils. An increase in overseas students at Oxford and Cambridge universities has reduced the number of UK applicants getting a place. It means that in spite of significant efforts to increase the number of state school pupils winning a place there. The figure has not risen for 20 years. Oxford admissions from state schools peaked in 2002 at 3,343. In 2018, the number was 3,166. And although a slightly different point, it does show you the influence now, and I would say the increasing reliance in the British education system on foreign funding is something that needs really to be looked at. Nigel Frosch highlighting specifically this issue now. Wealthy Chinese individuals with links to the Communist Party buying up British schools. Let me know what you make of this, guys. And if you haven't seen what Nigel's had to say about this, here it is.
I said at the start of the year that with Brexit done, albeit imperfectly, I was going to focus as much as I could on China, or in particular, the Chinese Communist Party. Here is a story that as yet has not been told. We know that China has a Belt and Road policy led by President Xi, and that the aim is very simple. It is world economic domination. We also knew that British universities were receiving quite large sums of Chinese money. But this story has been completely untold up until this moment in time, and it is that the Chinese are now buying up British schools. I hadn't heard this until a few days ago. It started back in 2014, and it's now gathering pace. Why is it happening? Well, the independent sector, the private sector in Britain, educates about 7% of our children. But school fee inflation has been so rapid over the last few years that many of them have got real financial difficulties. The boarding schools have made up for this by getting lots and lots of Chinese students to come and pay top whack fees in this country. All of that we knew. What we didn't know was that a series of Chinese companies are busy buying up schools. Now, you might say, isn't it better that Chinese money buys up these independent schools, some of which have been around for centuries? Isn't it better that happens than they actually close down? Well, what I'm about to tell you will make you realise just how sinister this is. One company, for example, a company known as Bright Scholar. They have bought Bournemouth Collegiate. They bought St Michael's in Thanethley. They bought Bosworth Independent. They bought the Cats Colleges, a series of language colleges around the country. But when you look, who owns Bright Scholar? Well, it's run by the richest woman in Asia, whose father is a senior figure in the Chinese Communist Party. And you can go on and on and on and see every one of these companies that is buying up British schools has a direct link to the Chinese Communist Party. And what are they actually teaching? Well, for example, the Confucius Institute now has its materials in 29 of our university campuses and 148 of our schools. And they're encouraging youngsters to go on apps such as Go Chinese, where, with basic Mandarin, they can see President Xi giving them a potted history of China and all the great things that it's done and continues to do. It is an utterly sanitized view of China in the past and China today. No mention, of course, of what's happening to the Uyghurs. No mention, of course, what's happening to democracy in Hong Kong. These people are being taught that China is the future. They are being literally indoctrinated by the Chinese Communist Party. I think this is an absolutely massive story. I think it's one that needs to be told. Uh, I'm delighted that the Mail on Sunday have really gone for this in such a big way. You can read it now online. Uh, they've done very extensive research on this. And I think that Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, needs to answer a question today. Are we going to allow young children, young adults in our country to be indoctrinated by the Chinese Communist Party, or are we going to put a stop to this? This isn't just 
about an economic takeover of the West. It's about a cultural takeover too. I think it's one of the most sinister things I've seen coming from China. I'm pleased this story is now out. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, of the many, many things masked by the coronavirus, like the installation of 5G, and uh, it's a situation I read up yesterday um, and talked to people, uh, auto electricians uh, who uh, are now wearing special uh, protective lights, uh, working on auto electricity and headlights, etc. And driving your car, you have to have protective uh, uh, your eyes from this high-powered LED lighting. It has a specific name. I should have it here. I don't. But um, yay. And as I said this in the previous article, China's trade turnover with Central and Eastern Europe tops $100 billion despite the pandemic in 2020. Mutual trade between China and 17 nations in Central and Eastern Europe in 2020 exceeded $100 billion for the first time ever, according to China's Ministry of Commerce. The, the year-on-year growth of 8.4% to $103 billion was the fastest, faster than China's annual trade turnover with Europe as a whole. The, fa- the faster that, and faster than the country's yearly law, foreign trade growth rate for the year, uh, according to spokesman, spokesman Gang Fang, uh, China's trade volume with Central and Eastern Europe states, states has been stable, sta- has been stable, a stable growth of, of around eight percent since 2012. This guy's repeating himself. Also on RT.com, US, um, yeah, these articles from RT, Russia Today. USA, US China installments are almost double that. Uh, sorry, US, US China investments are almost double what the official figures show report reveals. The country's overall imports and exports of, good report, of goods reportedly surged in 1.9%. The t- 32 trillion yuan, which is $5 trillion, despite a global retreat in shipments caused by the COVID pandemic and the cost of shipping containers has doubled and trebled, by the way coming into Europe. However, investment cooperation between China and the nations of the, the region kept raising, rising during this period. Chinese foreign direct investment in Central and Eastern Europe states, uh, uh, economic sectors such as energy and infrastructure and logistics totaled a gross of 3, $3.14 billion as of the end of last year. Meanwhile, those countries investing in investments in China reached $1.72 billion. Also on RT, Russia-China trade Turnover trade turnover to exceed 100 billion despite pandemic. In 2020, the total contract value of Chinese newly signed overseas projects with the 17 countries surged 34 percent. In addition, China managed to launch 12,400 China China Europe railway express services, right? With nations including Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia becoming P. Key passages and destinations of the link, according to the spokesman. Well, they have a plan to run a railway right up uh, across Russia, up through China, across into Alaska and down to Canada and the States. That's their plan, <laughs> right? So um, I don't know how they're going to implement that without a war. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, that that will be like a, a channel tunnel situation, etc., etc. But... Um, Wow, uh, there, there is absolutely no end to the carry-on. <laughs> and then the stories that are hidden, that, that is a mega, mega, major story. But um, looking at where we have left the remains of the programme, um, uh, yeah, um, 
Yeah, Farage was right to highlight that. He, he said he, he missed it up to now, but this is going on creep, creep, creep. Uh, these Chinese buying into every aspect of British and, and American institutions. And the hundreds of thousand Chinese students are all of young military age and they look like they're trained as well in America. That's a, another sleeping uh, uh, um, Trojan horse in America. Uh, just looking at what else we have here today and on the audio side. Um, yes, um, we have a Max Kaiser one. That's at least 12 minutes. We'll push that later on. And um, Carrie Maggi, she's another uh, very, very courageous doctor uh, speaking up on vaccines again, like um, um, Lawrence Cahill. But um, it's, we, may, we may get to that. And Alex Belfield, uh, <laughs> at least he's not swearing in the one I have lined up today. He's talking about the lefty on lefties on the BBC and on BBC on, on commercial radio. He's picking on James O'Brien quite rightly. Which is, who is a privileged, wealthy, lefty broadcaster uh, who was violently against uh, Brexit, etc., etc. But uh, he, he, he's a, a figure of fun, really. He's so stupid. And uh, it's the one thing that puts me off LBC radio. Plus, they got rid of Nigel Farage because he was too radical. What? What? Uh, but there's another radio station making ground in Britain, talk radio. And... Uh, it's uh, Peter Hitchens, famous journalist, features on that quite regularly. And uh, Hitchens is one of the few courageous journalists, and he's crystal clear and talks common sense all the time, all the time. He's tr truly outstanding in many, many ways. But um, again, the stories here, trying to put a range of stories up, it's all, all, all bad news about these uh, vaccinations. And they say that they're 95% effective. What the how the hell can they extract that? They're just being in the process of uh, administering them. And uh, it's uh, both, both Dolores Cahill and Maggie and Wakefield are saying, Dr. Wakefield, that there's a four-month time bomb in these things. And it's from four to 14 months, depending how strong your system is. But the, the attack on your system will be massive, absolutely massive. So get ready for that. And they're trying to intimidate people, these, all the different age groups who've written to have the vaccines, etc. in every way. And again, the threats and threats, intimidation and blackmail regarding you. You can't do this without a vaccine. You can't do that. And no no, no jab, no job. That phrase, <laughs> this uh, commercial big plumbing company in London, uh, their, their phrase, their phrase, a lot of employers copying it. No jab, no job. But quite a few people in the NHS are refusing to take the jab. And uh, there's quite a, I've direct reports from guys I know in the army and the police saying that the sickness level in the army before even COVID was massively from the normal jabs they were getting from going abroad, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the police now from wearing the masks, forgetting about the vaccine, they haven't actually been uh, dealt the vaccine yet, but they're wearing masks for two or three months or longer, a year now, the sickness level of um, these um, uh, cheap masks and the, or the nanoparticles that are coming off them are going into the lungs of people and causing bronchial problems on a shocking scale. And uh, it's a misleading article. So much stuff here on the desk and the sorting stuff on the train today. And then new stuff comes up that's even more urgent and more a better written article. 
and have to try and we'll put them over the program at, at, at the right time. But um, yo, it's it's, it's um, <laughs> it is. Uh, I can't even believe we're living through this. It's not like as I was saying somebody today in in the Blitz in London. That was shocking with these mystery doodlebug bombs, which were airborne, uh, the, the like missiles, but be launched from France by the Nazis and hit randomly in London. And only hear a three or four second whistle and boom, the house beside you walking down the street was blown up. But during that period in London, which people were living, sleeping overnight in the tube stations underground, they still didn't close the pubs or close retailing. Not in that situation. That was horror. That was a direct war on Britain. They weren't invaded, but the those bombs and bombing missions by Hitler and the, what they call the doodlebugs were known as these missile, uh, an airborne bomb, basically, launched from uh, the French side of the uh, the Channel and would land in London, and uh, boom, it's shocking uh, devastation. And thousands and thousands of people were killed by those, but they still didn't have a lockdown then. Right, so these happy morons of ministers were doing it kind of, it's, it's not an executive order, but it's a similar. But most of this... Uh, uh, these laws have not been approved by Parliament, and that is the absolute disgrace of it. But uh, again, and, uh, just when we talk about coronavirus, uh, sorry, uh, Pfizer all the time, Merck's Gardasil vaccine crippled a young man, an ongoing medical tragedy that must be stopped. This is Lance D. Johnson of Natural News writing this piece, and he's, he's an outstanding writer. He's in Huff, I've been quoting his stuff for five years now. Um, the um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and the Baum Headland Law Firm in Los Angeles, California, filed their fifth lawsuit against Merck, taking on the drug com- company's dangerous and deceptive Gardasil vaccine and standing up for the innocent young people who have been disabled by the vaccine. The law firm is taking on Merck and the grander kangaroo court system uh, which has shielded vaccine makers from liability for over 30 years. Correct, 30 years. Immunity from prosecution and dish out any crap. And uh, like Bill Gates sold a vaccine to, uh, 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 supposedly a sexual health care vaccine to, for uh, Indian women, and 120,000 of them ended up paralyzed, right? The law firm's latest client, M- Michael Colbath, was a healthy athlete and scholar before he got the Gardasil vaccine. After vaccination, he suffered severe injuries and was diagnosed with postural orthostatic uh, syndrome, P. POTS was called, and um, all sorts of medical names that are un- 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 unpronounceable. Complex regional pain syndrome and gastroparesis. Gardasil vaccine destroys the life of an aspiring student and athlete. After the shots, his body, this guy Michael Colbath, his body uh, started feeling falling asleep for 15 to 22 hours per day. When he awoke, he suffered from excessive sweating, lost memory, confusion, body aches, migraines, and lost concentration. The vaccine uh, injuries also caused him to experience, well, he's loaded the gunnels of problems it is, also caused him to inexperience intermittent or episodic paralysis, um, numbness, and stomach pains. He has has to be consciously, continuously monitored by doctors. The vaccine injuries uh, d- destroyed his life. Before the vaccine, he was a member of a cross-country team 
at his middle school. He was involved at at the school band in the school band, practiced Hei Kao Do with Chinese sport, and was accomplished Boy Scout. As a young boy, he earned certification in first in emergency preparedness and raised service so raised service dogs for the disabled. After the first dose of Godzilla, Michael, this Michael, um, uh, Michael Colbath, just underline that, um, the, um, Michael suffered severe and acute injuries that have harmed his quality of life, his ability to walk and achieve. He has no to finish high school from home and he could not walk unassisted. The once healthy boy now suffers from postural orthotactic. Um, that's called a syndrome, a condition that describes the regular functions of the symptomatic and automatic nervous system. Um, uh, the symptom that disables the regular nervous system, affecting circulation, heart rate, and blood pressure. Symptoms including lightheadedness, fainting, and uncomfortable, rapid increase in heartbeat. Merck continues to cripple young people, destroying lives. After the goddess of vaccination, Michael began to sleep excessively and grew fatigued through the day. He was diagnosed with idiopathic hypersomnia, a chronic neurological disorder that causes excessive sleepiness, even after getting adequate sleep. When his condition um, uh, uh, worsened, he began to experience the, the uh, myalgic and stropolopolis, okay, chronic fatigue syndrome, which led to weakness and malaise congenitive impairment and intolerance to pain. The pain led to um, complex regional pain syndrome marked by continuous burning and throbbing pain, usually in his feet. Well, that's just about everything he could be, be tortured with. Michael went from being an impeccable athlete and ambitious student to losing his ability to walk. With assistance, he can now walk about 500 steps a day. When he goes to class at the University of California, San Diego, he goes on crutches and has said, has a hard time staying awake throughout the day. He Now he needs 10 strong medications in order to function in a day-to-day -day. Well, as he fights through these injuries. His mother, like most, was unaware of the dangers of the vaccine. Merck mis misleads the public about the safety and necessity of the HPV vaccine. Now, that, that's the one that uh, Andrew Wakefield highlighted the truth about, and the whole journalists refer to him as the disgrace Andrew Wakefield. I mean, these journalists are disgraced. They're such cowardly, gutless creeps. Merck is now promoting Gardasil for children who go as young as nine years old and fa failing to warn parents about the tragic uh, life-altering uh, life consequences that may result from deceptively marked harmful condition. Co-counsel uh, co Robert F. Kennedy Jr. commented, just like the Vioxx Merck put, the VIO double act Merck put Gardasil profits over patient safety and now countless children and young people are facing inescapable health issues. At a certain point, you have to ask what is going to take it to stop the reckless disregard for their consumers. Yay. Well, uh, Pfizer and uh, Johnson & Johnson actually were given a contract a week or two ago and they have paid nearly one over $1 billion fine for uh, not alerting the public to, to asbestos in Johnson's baby powder, right? And these schmucks are given a, a contract to supply vaccines. So <laughs> it is gargantuan, gargantuan criminality on, on a shocking scale. Absolutely shocking. But uh, what's one other one that we have here? Um, 
Ah, there, there, there. It's truly, I just can't enough words to comment on how bad that is. But, um, yeah, the, and the financial system going ahead, they reckon now that, uh, that, um, the dollar will definitely go down this year. But anyway, can uh, we go to uh, Max Kaiser's edition? It's in two 12-minute sections. Uh, we'll go to the 12-minute one now anyway. Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert talking about uh, the Chinese uh, wealth and the um, the uh, the um, uh, sorry, the we'll hear it anyway. <laughs> the, uh, the strength of the yuan. I think that's basically it. Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert, uh, and they also talked to Mitch Farstein. Okay. Is that ready? Hello? We are connected. Um, no reply. Um, it's Max Kaiser playing his one now, okay? I can barely hear you. Barely, barely, barely. And I'm up to the max on sound. Coming up now, yeah? Barry can't hear you. Turn up the volume. Okay. okay. We'll, go, we'll go to this break and then we play Max Kaiser after the break, right? February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extendo Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. 
go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. piece from a very good piece from Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert his wife about the state of the Chinese economy and the fact that they are gaining ground and then the debt 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 factor but it's, it's a good update report on where we are because it's all masked by this COVID so Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert okay. Hi I'm Max Kaiser this is the Kaiser Report just like Forces of the universe are constantly shaping and shifting our reality. So too geopolitics. And we've got some emerging economic powerhouse. Stacy, Right, Max. Well, first of all, you must note that I am in my tropical outfit here. Cause yeah, that's my- super tropical. Nice. Very breezy. We're getting ready. Oh, because I think Mitch Firestein's in the tropics in the second half. That's right. So I wore my resort wear for you, and I kind of think it's a, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, all things are great. So before that, you know, part of the reason why things were kind of not great in the, uh, the world of Wizard of Oz was the Wizard of Oz himself. And the Wizard of Oz, which is the Federal Reserve Bank, I think has caused quite a lot of chaos with all of the money printing. And here are some of the results. So the money printing that has happened since 1971, remember we're 50 years into the US dollar standard, and the money printing hid a lot of the outsourcing of all these jobs, the uh, sending all of our wealth creation potential and you know the manufacturing overseas to China. And the argument, and, and Joe Biden was one of the biggest proponents of this line of thinking, was that China's going to eat our lunch, 
come on, man, come on, right? Well, China overtakes U.S. as EU's biggest trading partner in the year 2020. China was the main partner for the EU. This result was due to an increase of imports by 5.6% and exports by 2.2%, according to Eurostat, the EU's statistical office. So, of course, you know, like most people say, they don't trust Chinese uh, data. But this is from the EU's uh, statistical office. And it almost jives exactly. Um, in fact, they show a bit more trade, like $20 billion worth more than China's own data shows. So, I mean, it's in there, but it's, it's surpassed the amount that they trade with the U.S. imports and exports. Right, right. So this is uh, really the beginning of the changing of the guard. You know, we're now handing the baton off to China. Uh, as the number one economy in the 21st century, the numbers are there, the statistics are there, the relationships in Europe, EU are there, the relationship with Russia and Iran is there, you know, the, and the relationship all over Africa is also there. Well, if you ever run a business, what always ends up happening is your biggest customer you tend to prefer, right? They're gonna, they give you the most profit, they help you build a nice pension for yourself, a big house, maybe buy a yacht, Maybe go Caribbean uh, vacationing like uh, Mitch Firestein in the second half. So China is everybody's biggest customer. They're Saudi Arabia's biggest customer. They're the biggest uh, commodities customer. They're the biggest customer of, of EU goods. So the EU, what, the reason why they're the biggest customer is because, of course, Europe is Germany, which has a lot of high-value-added precision technology sort of goods, and China has been you know, importing those massively this year. So there were a lot of uh, imports from uh, Germany and France with high-tech sort of stuff. Mm, right. And uh, so this is, uh, I'm curious to see now going forward how the global culture changes because for decades all was Hollywood and the United States were the cultural uh, touchstone of the world. Always well, referred to brands and uh, American for their cultural references. I'm just curious to see how this is all going to play out when the biggest box office market in the world will be Chinese. Probably the biggest consumer brands in the world will be Chinese. Uh, so this this will be a very interesting shift. Yeah, of course, like the international language of the of the internet, and for travelers like tourists is English. So I wonder if one day that will ever change to also include Chinese or revert to Chinese or something because it was that thousands of years ago, by the way, when uh, they were the biggest empire in the world or the biggest superpower in, in, for sure. Um, so anyway, that's, ju that's just the, the Thucydides trap, the story we've been talking about for over 10 years here. This is just the data. Most American financial news has always been saying that don't worry about China, that it, their, all their data is fake. Max and I have had Dan Collins is our regular for the past over 10 years. And he's always, for, for the most part, he was in China at the time. And he was, he was way ahead. He was way more accurate just saying what the data is, what he could see with his own two eyes all around him, as he pointed out uh, in a recent interview with us, that when you tune into CNBC and Bloomberg for your financial news and try to understand how to gauge your investment portfolio around the world, like they kept on telling you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's all fake. We can keep on sending our jobs there. Like there's some sort of magic that happens whereby they create all the wealth and they don't actually get to keep it all. Like somehow where, where the the ones that get wealthy off of it. 
Well, now we're seeing that, I mean, it, it, those are the facts right there. They're the number one trading partner with the EU. There's, you know, you can't change that. Right. The way this will be noticed by the average American yeah. is in the prices of stuff. Yes. And that's what we're getting to because the headline reads, just one of many in this past week, ConAgra says it may implement price hikes to adjust for commodity price increases of ingredients to include edible oils, pork, this year. Right. Well, there's two sides to that. The, first of all, you have the a component of global demand spurred by the global dominant economy, China, forcing the price of commodities higher, which has the impact of forcing food at the store higher. The other major component of that is that all commodities, including oil, are priced in dollars. That was one of the bargains struck after World War II during the Bretton Woods Agreement. And uh, as the dollar now loses purchasing power all over the world, uh, that's a double whammy for the U.S. consumer because they're forced to use dollars that are losing purchasing power in a world where inflation for um, commodities are now entering a secular bull market. And that's how you end up with an incredible gap down in living standards in the U.S. And I think that's something politicians are figuring they will just paper over with more money printing. But that only exacerbates this negative uh, circle. Right. And you saw, you know, the unrest, of course, across America over the past year. And that to us looks like in our first early days of Kaiser Report, when there was a lot of unrest across the Arab world, across Europe. And that was a lot to do with commodity price increases, essentially, at the, at the fundamental. Well, we have an like... American spring. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the other thing that happened in the past week was Biden did a, a town hall and all his voters who, you know, all these young voters who went with the establishment and were like, OK, we'll, we'll get rid of Bernie Sanders and take your guy. But your guy will give us what Bernie Sanders would have. Right. So, of course, you know, this 50 years track record with Biden and he's always been one of the most right wing of all uh, Democrats, including like to the point where he was against desegregation. He was against those uh, busing black students into white schools. He you know, he was active voting against that. So then that's so on a cultural side. But then, you know, he was always neoliberal, always pro-war, always pro-banks. And of course, well, it turned out at the town hall, you know, these students, well, people with student debts were like, well, it looks like you're only going to give us 10,000 free money. You promised us 50,000. He's like, no, nope, no, nope, can't do 50,000, not going to do 50,000, maybe 10,000. And like, he was qualifying it. You have to be from this sort of income of a family. You can't have gone to Yale, Harvard, or any Princeton or things like that. Like he was already qualifying all the free money. He's not, he says he can't do it now. He got elected, of course, with these people. I think wrongly at the time we were saying it, like wrongly believing he was going to give them a bunch of free money. Well, he's he's going to give them free money, but not as much as they were hoping for. Yeah. Well, the, the setup here is uh, catastrophic because the the, the mob of peasants in America, and there's over 250 million now, are clamoring for poison. And that poison is more paper money. Yeah, yeah. And it only kills their purchasing power, which is going to put them back at the trough, demanding from the president more paper money. And uh, this is not unique. 
This has uh, been played out throughout history for hundreds of years. You made a film about it, about the assignat, and the, the French peasants demanded it from the French revolutionaries. So, that, you know, they took the confiscated uh, Catholic church lands and they backed it with, uh, they turned it into bonds, and that was backing the paper. And then they, they wanted more and more, and they were, like, storming the gates and demanding more uh, paper. And they didn't, the, the officials didn't want to have to because they knew what it was going to do, but the people demanded it. So, yeah, you have these ingredients for a cauldron of, you know, just China rising. That's the Thucydides trap we've talked about. The U.S. empire falling. 50 years of fiat debt. It's been, you know, the fiat system was the most radical experiment in monetary history going back 5,000 years. So that experiment was tried. A lot of people got rich off it. It was a good thing for some, but it seems to be falling apart if you, if you look at the system and how they're trying, it's harder and harder and takes more and more extreme measures to keep it um, from falling co completely. But, uh, you know, once set in, once a collapse is set in motion, it's very difficult from that sort of size, whether it's a whole empire or quadrillions and derivatives like falling, like it's hard to like keep it back up, right? To prop it back up. And you're seeing that in these commodity prices, you're seeing that in the, in like the, the disturbance amongst the population, the population's always sense that this stuff is coming, something's coming, something mm. big is happening, there's a tsunami coming. Right, well, the problem of going on to an experimental all-fiat paper money standard in 1971 that had never been tried ever in history, and thanks to uh, Nixon, who closed the gold window, temporarily, as he said, <laughs> yeah. is that not only did it destroy the economy and destroy America's competitiveness, yeah. but it destroyed America's moral fabric because nothing had any value at that point. Everything became financialized, securitized, commodified. Doctors went to Wall Street. You know, people who are going to study to be priests instead went to Wall Street. Uh, teachers went to Wall Street. Anyone who was part of any institutional that was part of the fabric of society and the moral high uh, regard went to Wall Street and fed this machine of paper money debasement. And so we have the economy debased as well as people's moral integrity has been irreparably debased en masse in these United States. There are demands for more money printing. The day after it emerged that he says he's, he claims right now he's only going to print 10,000 for every student, which of course are mostly the vast majority of people with student debts are the upper middle class, upper class middle class, like they're not the working class for the most part. Obviously, there are exceptions. There are working class people with big debts. But for the most part, um, it's just the bottom. And that's why they say, actually, that if you just write off 10, there actually are studies about what, which is the most effective amount to write off. And it's mostly the working class. If you write off 20, you know, under 10,000 or about 10,000, under 25,000, it helps them the most. Because if you do 50000 like they want, for the most part, working-class kids don't have that much because they're not going to the elite universities. So you're disadvantaging them against their um, upper-middle-class competitors like they're in the marketplace. So anyway, we also saw stocks slammed as producer prices soar by record in January. It's starting to hit the stock market. Again, that's the one indicator that all presidents look at, the Treasury Secretary looks at. And the Fed, they pretend, you know, as Nomi Prince recently told us, like they pretend they're, they care about employment and inflation and all that. But all they care about is the stock market. And that's why we've had over the past 20, 30 years, we've had the economy will grow 2 or 3% a year, whereas the stock market grows between 5 and 25% a year. So that, that's the ex expectation 
of that class of people demanding free money from their, you know, from the Treasury and the Fed, whereas the, the town hall people who voted for Biden expecting $50,000 free money on one hand for this debt write-off, that now they're being told it's only 10000 They were expected, on the other hand, a $2,000 stimulus. And he's saying, no, we're just going to give you 1400 So those people at the bottom are starting to get angry. If they, they know they've seen it now for 10 years. You could print free money, and they want it. Viva la revolution. And remember, let the meat bugs. We're going to take a break and talk to let the meat bugs man himself. Mitch Firestein, don't go away. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to go to an undisclosed tropical location and speak with the legendary Mitch Firestein. Uh, Mitch, uh, first of all, my first question, is that a boat you're sitting on or are you on dry land? I'm on dry land right now. I've been on a boat for a couple of weeks, but my feet are dry currently. <laughs> well, you, you, I'm glad you've got your sea legs in this tempestuous market environment. First of all, like legendary Stan Druckenmiller. He is very, very short the U.S. dollar, Mitch. What are your thoughts on this? Why wouldn't you be short the dollar? I mean, look, when we look at it, the USA has become a corrupt, lawless, tyrannical oligarchy. So, you know, the USA doesn't have a rule of law. It's a country based now on propaganda, censorship, social credit scores, and a cancel culture. So most of the media is disinformation. The biggest economic plunder is taking place in history right now. Free, free speech is gone. It's groupthink out of Washington, Westminster. Wall Street and Hollywood are all pigs at the trough. It's the end of empire stuff, Max. You know, it's all about identi identity politics and woke. Michael Bloomberg, Larry Fink, who's at BlackRock, who the Fed, Federal Reserve has outsourced everything to, Right now, Bill Gates, the dictator, let them eat bugs. I mean, from vaccines to farmland, Bill Gates owns it all. So why would the dollar go higher? It won't. There's so much debt in the system, it's a problem. Over $300 trillion of debt, and they just keep printing, printing, and printing, and giving money away. So the dollar basically has declined since 1913, and we are about to see an implosion and the end of U.S. dollar hegemony as we know it. You know, let them eat bugs. Uh, I think that's a vote-winning slogan for sure. But, you know, you mentioned the word oligarchy. Okay, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because oligarchy to many people mean industrial concentration, robber barons, that type of thing. But this oligarchy is an oligarchy of financial types on Wall Street who print money. Um, and just give us a taste of what kind of this new oligarchy looks like, Mitch. Well, look, we, we've got a disorganized government. We've got Janet Yellen, who's a life, lifetime Federal Reserve employee, almost 20 years at the Fed. Her policies caused the greatest wealth inequality in history. Now she's a Treasury Secretary. She was given eight, almost $8 million in funds from the biggest banks and corporations in, quote, speaking fees, which were nothing more than kickbacks, legalized kickbacks. One of the contributors was Citadel, you know, Citadel Robin Hood. Um, so all of these banks put Yellen into this position. Yellen is there for the banks, for the corporations, not for the people. And her policies created the greatest wealth inequality gap in history and in this economic mess that we're in that's going to cause the biggest financial crisis and disaster to come. So this is the corporations that have taken over. The We have no politicians. They've all sold out. 
Now, the, the social media companies such as Facebook, uh, Twitter, Jack Dorsey has sold himself to China. All of them are, are a big problem because they censor the truth and the thought police are out there. You can't even write the truth on that if it disagrees with the, the narrative or the scripted um, story that the politicians want to get across. And the politicians are in the pocket of China, so unless you're on online with them and spout their narrative, you will be dismissed from the public discourse in totality. Yeah, let's talk for a moment about uh, Japan, right? We've known each other for many years, and uh, we both have a career going back to Wall Street. Remember back in 1989, Japan was ruling the world, and Nikkei was at 40,000, and then it crashed uh, spectacularly. But these days, uh, Mitch, you've got uh, Stan Druckenmiller's moving into China and Japan. Warren Buffett just made a huge play in Japan, bought big, big, big portions of five big industrial companies in Japan. And of course, you were a banker in Japan for many years. So is, what, is, is the bear right. market in Japan over? Is this that? What's going on, going on in Japan, Mitch? I don't know that the bear market's over in Japan, but they've had 35 years of economic malaise. And this is the model that the West has developed and taken on board, is 35 years of economic disaster. And yield curve control. I mean, look, this is the definition, Albert Einstein's textbook definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting to achieve a different result. Unfortunately, the people are being bamboozled about a lot of things. They need to question everything that's happening to them. And they need to look. I mean, look, our president now, our new president, has, has executed almost 60 executive orders, the more than all total seven presidents, the last total, the total sum of the past pre uh, seven presidents in the time he's been in office. People don't really have a choice. They think they have a choice, but they don't have a choice. This is all very bad, Max, especially from an economic perspective. We don't have growth. All we have is money printing. Money printing will end one of two ways, very badly in, in a, in a hyperinflation state like Zimbabwe or Weimar Republic. It's not, it's not going to end well and, and, the middle class is being eviscerated right now. The wealth inequality gap shows us that. And people need to wake up and understand what's coming. You know, it was what I wrote in my book. This is what we've been discussing for a long time. You know, the GameStop was an issue that people should have looked at. Reddit should, if they really want to punish people, they should be buying physical silver and push that price right up to the moon. Because these ETFs, Larry Fink and BlackRock have, the ETFs are backed by nothing. Great project for the Wall Street bets crowd, for sure. Now, you mentioned yield curve control, of course, uh, and it's at the short end. It's called quantitative easing, banks buying back their own paper. They're now suggesting they're going to go into the long end of the market, the 10, 20, and 30-year uh, uh, segment of, of the market to try to keep rates from going higher. Uh, so the two questions, number one, will they be successful to keep rates from going higher? And number two, are we now finally seeing the end of the myth of deflation and the beginning of the reality that's been with us for quite some time, and that is inflation, Mitch? I've always argued that we've had selected asset class inflation, like there is asset class inflation. If you look at some of the prices of equities and some of the valuation, property valuation, look, commercial real estate is going to collapse. Real estate prices will collapse. I mean, this is, this is all fake. You know, you've got the entire economy propped up by money printing. Money printing is insidious. It's dangerous. I mean, it will have its impact. We just haven't seen it yet. 
we're seeing now, like we saw in 2016, and we've discussed this before, you're seeing meat prices increase. But of course, Bill Gates said, let the meat bugs. Bill Gates now knows about vaccines. He, he's hoarding all the farmland in America. I mean, this is, this is not gonna end very well. This is the end of empire stuff. People are gonna get fed up when they realize that they've been had with this whole political scam that's been going on. And people need to protect themselves now and get into understanding that uh, the US dollar hegemony is finished and inflation will come roaring back when people least expect